Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of SB Nation's The Dream Shakes, The Dream Tag Podcast. My name is Mike Brown. We are on our off-season schedule. Uh, as we laid out last week, I have got Tuesdays typically solo. Uh, Jeremy has the weekends and we are together on Friday, but we have got a very special guest this evening. The man who seems to be a part of 26 different podcasts at once, Parker Ainsworth. Parker, welcome to the show. How are you, my man? Hey, I'm doing all right. Uh, I haven't done one through Green Room, though. Can you hear me? All right, I can't call it Green Room anymore. You're perfect. Spotify Live. No, you, you, <laughs> there you we can, go. You're perfect. What's going on, man? Not much. Uh, it's been a busy day, but I'm happy to talk some Rockets basketball. I'm getting to watch all these other teams play, and I'm glad I get to talk a little Rockets basketball. Absolutely. So I don't know how I was thinking about this today. I was like, how do I introduce him? Like he his your profile says you're a part of all of these awesome belly up basketball. We've got effing sports. I will let you take the reins to begin <laughs> with to kind of set up, you know, who you are. Why are you a Rockets fan? Different projects you're involved in the way that our listeners can find your work. Well, the simplest thing is just Painsworth512 on Twitter. Um, I I head up the basketball department at Belly Up Sports. Uh, so bellysports.com, we do all kinds of written content. Uh, several podcasts come out. My my own podcast is called FN Sports. Uh, I'm a teacher by day. And so FN Sports is like we grade sports topics and issues and things like that. Give out gold stars and detentions and those kinds of things. Uh, it, it's a more of an all sports podcast kind of. It's gotten up to tri-weekly, I guess. Uh, and then, again, uh, I'm a Rockets fan. Honestly, I, w- I was born in Houston. We can move to Austin, I guess, when I was in uh, elementary school, hence the 512 on the Twitter handle. But I, I was born in Houston, uh, grew up, like, rooting for the Rockets, and then we moved to Austin, and I was like, well, there's no sports team here, and I'm going to stick with the Rockets. Um, and I realized that I may have been choosing my own misery at times, but it's been a pretty good 31 years being a Rockets fan. <laughs> How about yourself? That's awesome, man. No, I, ironically, I'm 31 as well. So I've been, I've been a fan my whole life, man. And a couple of years ago, I, you know, Dream Shake was looking for a podcast host. And I was like, all right, fine. You know what? I'm just going to throw out a resume, see if they call me back. And I've been with them ever since. So cool stuff. Cool stuff. Yeah, man. Uh, I've only been on Reddit once with dream shake. And that's when I made fun of Alex Caruso. Cause the fact that we got beat by him in a playoff series was absolutely unacceptable. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Lakers fan, Lakers fans don't like me very much, which I love. I love the misery <laughs> that is the Los Angeles Lakers right now. Like if I could bathe in their tears every single night, I mean, I don't have a bathtub, and I don't know if I could do that, but I would if I could. You know what I mean? 
Like, I definitely would. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, like, I look, I don't know, man. We'll get into Rockets topics because that's what I like to do, right? There are are Rockets fans. I want to know what kind of fan you are, right? Because right now there's two different avenues that Rockets fans are going down. There are realists like me that think that the sky is falling, the owner sucks, the coach sucks, the GM sucks, and the roster sucks. Um, then there's the fans who are like, well, we have all these draft picks coming up and it's all great. And it's, you know, Jalen Green's going to be a superstar and we're going to pay Jalen, you know, Jay Sean Tate $48 million. We're going to pay, you know, KPJ $60 million, which is just asinine. And all of a sudden we're going to be a playoff team next year. Where are you? <laughs> Probably somewhere in between. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm chuckling because, uh, first of all, the, realistic take i guess you're throwing your title on your own self there i guess that's a little <laughs> that, that tells me how, how you feel um i i hope we don't pay i like jay sean a lot and he should make all the money he can i hope we don't pay him that much money that came out today i guess i saw on twitter earlier and that seems like a lot um but no i i'm probably somewhere in the, in the middle i think that uh we had to rebuild we had to strip it down and that sucks but the reality is is that on the whole I think that like the rebuild is going according to maybe not my plan, but hopefully a plan. And that's, you know, better than, better than not going. Uh, Listen, man, I'm a pessimist. Okay. By trade, (laughs) because I hate losing. I hate losing more than anything, especially with professional sports. Like it's not, first of all, I hate when people say, you know, I, you know, the like the Boston Celtics narrative to me is what the Rockets are going for. Hold your picks, draft your guys, develop your guys. Well, here's the thing. Boston hasn't won Jack squat since Garnett and Allen and Rondo. And they held right. all these picks and they never won anything. So I'm trying to look at this plan, right? The plan, there is no plan, Parker. You know, <laughs> like you have a coach who in two years is 37 and a hundred, let me see. I'm sorry. It's been a long day math wise. Uh, 37 and 117. Why is he still the coach? Why is Silas still here? Would you still have Silas here for a third year? If it were up to you, this is a two part question. One, would you get rid of, would you have him here or would you get rid of him? And if you were to get rid of him, who would you want? Well, I, I would keep him for at least another year. I do think that with any rebuild, if you're setting this up, you would set some sort of like ground rules or baselines. And clearly there wasn't any that involved like a number of wins this season. Um, And looking at future draft pick capital, I don't know how many wins would be a realistic goal next season. Um, Frankly, I could see, you know, to the much to the dismay of fans hoping for wins and that enjoy rooting through wins because it was frankly more fun. I don't know that it's in the draft capital's best interest to win necessarily next season, but, but really to look at the year after. But I would say that like you need some sort of tangible lines for success. If you're stone looking at Silas, I, I know you're counting both seasons. I really have trouble counting that first season because I don't know when you have all of the turmoil he walks into and you have the stars walking in and out and you randomly get, you know, John Wall and Boogie Cousins and, and like the, all those kind of like that, that makes for a really hard year. I think for anyone on top of then like you add all like the COVID stuff, every team went through and all the chaos, every team went through and all that. So I have a hard time like using that as a measuring stick, but I would imagine there's gotta be, I don't know how public they'll be with it. I would imagine stone's fairly close to the chest, but some sort of talks about like, Hey, 
this year we need to see these kinds of improvements either in the win column or in the offensive efficiency column or in, you know, progress in these couple players or we need to see growth in these areas or, or, you know, whatever the case may be. I could see going down any of those avenues. And then, you know, I, I guess the summer of 23, you could be looking at a tough conversation if those aren't met or if some certain set of objectives aren't met. But I don't think it happens before then. I mean, I'm fine, I guess, Parker. You logically laid that out, and I hate you for it. But I will say this. Here's a quote. Raphael Stone on Silas. Definitely the expectation is for Steven to be back. Steven and Silas is one of my favorite people in the world. He's an extraordinarily good man, extraordinarily smart man, and I'm looking forward to attacking this challenge with him yet again. Okay, first of all, definitely the expectation is for Steven to be back. Which means if somebody becomes available that they like more, they would get rid of him, which they should. I'll give you two names, Mark Jackson and Sam Cassell. I would hire tomorrow. Oh, that's interesting because I'm very, I'm very different on each of them. Um, I, I'm not as high on Mark Jackson as a lot. Um, I, I want to see him have more more experience in like with the modern game. We have a single big and you really kind of want to space and pace a little bit more. Sam Cassell though, I do kind of like, um, he's been on the sidelines with some great coaches and I, I think that he could really, you know, step and do a head coaching role very quickly. And I, the thing that Silas is missing that I think that I guess Mark would also bring is Silas didn't play at this level. And I'm not saying you have to play to be a good coach, but I think it is a plus, right? Like being able to relate to a young team. And be like, hey, when I was in the league, Here's how I dealt with this. When I was in the league, I dealt with that. Um, I, I think Sam. I think Sam would. I guess Mark would also offer that, but Sam would offer that in a way that Stephen doesn't. See, Stephen just has the 20 plus years of assistant coaching experience, right? And so, if you want someone that does the big balls dance, <laughs> and you want to teach Jalen how to celebrate a little bit, obviously I could see that too. Um, but on a on a more like serious note, I do think that having a guard that showed up in clutch time could be good to have to teach your young guard that you want to show up in clutch time. I kind of want Mark Jackson here for the simple fact that I want to buy a shirt that just has his face on it and says, mama, there goes those guys. <laughs> and then it would have like caricatures of every player on the back of the t-shirt. Uh, oh, but that Mike, might just think, be me. I think what you just stumbled into is the next great TNT or whoever marketing slow. They're going to start selling t-shirts now with every team that has ever played on NBA on TNT. They should. <laughs> they should. No, they absolutely should. Uh, and I won, I won at least 10 cents a shirt. Uh, and if I don't, then I sue. Um, <laughs> look, man, I guess the biggest, my biggest question, I love to talk to Rockets fans about this, is ultimately you had less than two years ago. I mean, what was it? Not two years ago. What was it in 18? Four years ago. You're on the verge of a title. You are on the verge of a title here in Houston. You were one win away from getting to the finals and destroying Cleveland, right? No, I so, agree. I, I would say that you're, frankly, you could argue, I mean, obviously the common one is the hamstring away, right? Like it's not yeah. just on the verge of, it's like you should have. The fact is the owner at the time, still the owner now, Tillman Fertitta, did not go all in on that roster. It's a fact. He did not go into luxury tax the way he could have to supplement that roster with the right pieces needed to win a title. Why should Rockets fans give this guy a pass the way they've given him a pass the last four years? Because all he has done, and when I say he, his organization, the people he has put in place, have traded away the likes of Clint Capella, 
and Chris Paul. They have traded away James Harden. They have stripped this roster down to bare nothing. Why do Rockets fans give this guy a pass the way they have, Parker? I so what's funny is as like soft as I am with Stephen Silas, and I, I kind of people argue I give him the kids' gloves. I'm the opposite on Tillman. Um, Tillman was handed in the summer of '17 a team good enough to win the whole thing, and kind of bit off more than he could chew, or, or didn't like the egos, or I say more than he could chew because of the luxury tax aspects of things. But I I really think that, and maybe I'm reading too much into the reports from like October of 2020 but it sounds like he was kind of the driving factor and like, why are we paying that guy, Chris Paul, so much money mm-hmm. when I think we could all look back at hindsight and realize like, Oh, that Chris Paul thing was like, he was just taking a long time to heal from that hamstring injury um, because he clearly looks much different now. Um, I, I, I really cite a lot more that and tile more that to Tillman waving, you know, his magic wand across guys like Maury across and then Maury having to then work that on down to D'Antoni and things like that. There are obviously flaws in everybody involved, but I, I really put a lot more of the blame in that precipitous downfall to Tillman than I do on Daryl or D'Antoni. And, and, you know, he's the guy still around, and he's the guy that kind of has to fire himself. Like, he has to either sell or change or something for any change to happen. That's for, Yeah, I mean, it's important. I, I talk about it a decent amount, but I always like to get, you know, people's takes on that. Uh, Rockets, number one pick in the draft. If they get the number one pick, who are you taking and why? So I I got persuaded by the March Madness, Paolo Banquero. And I, I think that if you'd asked me before the tournament, I'd probably been on Chet. Um, and by the end of the tournament, I was more on Paolo. And that probably means the right part, pick is Jabari. But I, what, what I really think that uh, the thing with Paolo to me was of the forwards, he seemed to be the most like ready to play. And he... He seemed to have that like it factor in a way where he like sees the moments several times. Um, I I have they all have flaws, um, and some of them are physical, some of them are in their games and things like that. Uh, I I just feel like he might be the most ready to step in and play right away, and uh, I I think he compliments Jalen well. I I don't know how well he compliments a guy like Christian Wood, and I, I think that frankly we could learn a lot more about what Houston's desires are cushion wood based on who they were to pick number one um but i right now i'm on the what's the bancaro brigade is the one i'm seeing online the bancaro bus <laughs> the bancaro bus i love these people who have way too much time on their hands to give out just <laughs> wacky nicknames to you know automobiles and draft picks like it's awesome you know like well, yeah what would the whole the Homegrown houseboat. I don't know what you call that. I guess not quite the same ring yeah. to it. <laughs> no, but you know what? The best one, and I just came up with this. And if you get drafted by the Rockets, I'm taking credit. I want to be a part of Ivy's igloo. <laughs> like, I feel like that's probably one of the more clever ones I've seen. Yeah, you know what? I'm starting that tonight, right after the show. Ivy's igloo. <laughs> Ivy's uh, igloo. <laughs> so would you not? Would you not be at all worried about the fact if you drafted Paolo Bancaro to the Rockets? That gives you not one, not two, but three forwards, all 6'10", between him, Wood, and Shangun. All three are not rim protectors, and all three are not true centers. So why would you take a 6'10 forward to put on this roster to pair with the other two that you already have? Oh, I think that the way I would look at that is that by 2024, 2025, you're thinking that Van Carroll was better than Wood is in 2024, 2025. Like you're, grading, you're grading it more on the upshot up there. There's also, you know, the chance that you either trade or don't resign Wood a year from now, 
and frankly, it, it he's a free agent a year from now, so he may not have he may just choose to leave. He may say, you know, we've only won seventy games in three years or whatever the number is at that point. He's like, I want out of this thing. Um, and so I don't know that I would because I I don't think any it's reasonable to think of any twenty year old kid stepping in and being like the difference maker. I think that those are always the like the outliers when look when you look at this. Um, I, I will say that I, I do look at the Bancaro and Sangoon connection there and say, you know, Sangoon would have to work on his jump shot to help face the floor a little bit. Uh, Bancaro shot the ball better as the year went on. And so I would hope that that continues. Um, but one of those guys has space a little bit on offense. And then you'd hope that defensively, either whatever you got back with Wood and they just have a really big lineup or that you can develop Bancaro on the defensive side. Um, because Singoon did not defend the rim as a help defender particularly well this year. Obviously, when he's on the ball, he's like a stout, tree trunk leg kind of guy, but that's not quite the same. That's fair. Real quick note, I, I was researching some of the guys in preparation for the show today. I'm really perturbed and taken back by the lack of headbands that top draft picks are utilizing in their game in today's day and age. <laughs> I don't know about you, but they've gone away from it, and I don't like it. Parker. I really don't. Well, to be fair, though, I don't know if Chet needs – that's not really Chet's swag. <laughs> if Chet showed up with yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Chet – Chet is the goofiest-looking guy prospect I think I've ever done tape analysis of. He's just – I don't know what it is, man. Like, I look at him, and I just – every time I look at him, I imagine T-Mac just teabagging him on a dunk. I, I see Sean Bradley. Yeah, he's Sean Bradley with more gain. Someone tried to say Kevin Durant the other day, and I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) No, come on, No, 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 no. (laughs) Are we talking about the same movie star Kevin Durant that starred in Thunderstruck? Because if we are, there's no way. You cannot do that to Kevin Durant. That's awful. That's an awful take. (laughs) It didn't seem fair. It wasn't fair to Chet. Like, that's just setting up for failure. Like, that's not fair. (laughs) I just I think it's so weird, man. Like I, every mock draft you look at, this is one of the more intriguing drafts I think of the past ten year, ten to fifteen years, because you don't know who's going to go number one. It doesn't matter who is picking. Like if Orlando gets the number one pick, who is Orlando going to go with? Right. You know. I think what's interesting at, at an NBA level on that is that you've got three true forwards. You mentioned that none of them are great rim protectors. Chet's probably the best, but the three true forwards. And then you mentioned Ivy as a guard, like a, he's a top four pick as a guard. And then there's such a clear, we all understand the drop off between four and five. Like not to say Shaden Sharp or whoever couldn't like step in and be a good pro, but like the obvious picks are the top four. And then it starts to like, no one has a whole lot going on crazy after that. And certainly from like six to seven to eight, the drop seems precipitous after that. Um, I think that's what's unique about it is we all know, roughly who's going to be one, two, three, four. We just don't know where or what order. Are you not giving any sort of thought if you're the Rockets, if you have the number one pick with Jaden Ivey from Purdue? Number one pick, I don't know. I don't think I would. I will say that if if I have three or later, I give it a real hard look. And I, I do like the pairing of Ivey and uh, Jalen Green, and I think that's the primary goal here would be to, to match up Ivey and Green. Um, I just feel like you already got a fairly crowded young guard room. And um, we mentioned, I don't feel like we should be paying Tate that much money. And uh, we need 
to find some sort of a forward. And I wonder if you can move Christian Wood for a rim protector, better you can move that pick for a rim protector. And I guess that would be why I'd lean on the bigs. But after, if I got to three or later, obviously I would take Ivy. He's a great player. He has spaced the great, he's placed the space, the floor very well for, uh, I guess Wood or green. Um, and frankly, you know, there, they would add some competition that could be a healthy thing. There's just already so many guards on the roster. Um, I, I feel like that's not setting any of the young guards up for success because then they're all playing like 15 to 20 minutes and supposed to 30 minutes. And we want to get these guys ready to go. I feel like this next question tore apart numerous Easter dinner tables amongst Rockets Twitter participants, but I'm going to ask this anyway. Is Kevin Porter Jr. the starting point guard for the Rockets next year slash you, Parker? Would you want him as your starting point guard for this team next year? So I think he starts next year, and I, I don't think that Knicks or Christopher take his spot. I certainly don't, if you draft Ivy, I don't think he starts the year taking his spot. Um, what I do think is interesting is if you're looking at like like if I came back with Crystal Ball and said, hey, Mike, the Houston Rockets won the title in 2026, oh. uh, or right ever. Like obviously after like the size of relief that we audibly heard, the the thing would be then what was Ke- Kevin Porter like? Who's still on the team? Like what three or four players still on the team? And I really do think Kevin Porter Jr. would still be on the team. Like if you look at like the Milwaukee Bucks four years before their title or the Phoenix Suns four years ago or any of these teams four years for the title, they're very, very different looking. There's really only three or four players that are the same. I think Kevin Porter Jr. can be one of the guys that sticks. I think his role on a good team is being like a sixth man. He comes in, he can work with the starters in a three guard lineup. He can dominate a second unit as a scorer. He comes in and he just go work, focus on him and his game. Don't have to worry about working with another dominant guard. But when he's really got it rolling, kind of like when Eric Gordon did on the 2018 team, He's really got it rolling. All of a sudden, you roll out three guards. They can all shoot. They can all score. And it's a good night. Um, I I do have to admit, and I know I've talked too long on Kim Ford because I feel like you probably got hot takes too. I I worry about him between the ears if you ask him to come off the bench. And I don't mean that pejoratively or like negatively, but his mental health. But generally speaking, that takes somewhat like a you got to swallow your own pride a little bit. And we haven't we have evidence of the very much opposite from him on that. And that would be my concern if you're moving into him into that role. Um, but I, I think he could be on the team for long-term, and I think he does start next year. That's fair. If Bruno Fernando's not on the roster when the Rockets win a title, I riot. <laughs> you want to see, he'll have, just like J.R. Smith took the shirt off, that, that you got Bruno Fernando taking the shirt off. <laughs> I, I, first of all, first of all, Bruno Fernando would destroy anybody on the Rockets in a, like a bar fight. It was a very <laughs> interesting question that somebody posed earlier. But what I want to know is off this Rockets roster this past year, if they all got in a bar fight, who would win and why? I'm taking Bruno Fernando first. I, I think. think that's a fairly safe pick, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> or like an over-the-top like Royal Rumble match with the Rockets players from this year, who would be the last one standing? Like I feel like him Ooh. and Jay Sean Tate. Tate, I worry about something like reach weirdly. Like, uh, yeah, no, no, that's yeah. a good point. That's a really good point. <laughs> that we should be the thing against like Shingun too. Is like he's got notoriously short arms, and and that could come into play. Um, There's no Garuba, way. Garuba, maybe Ooh. like like that's, Ooh, that's a, a he's a big one. strong guy. Yeah, man, Garuba's good. Like a tag team of Bruno Fernando and Usman Garuba would just destroy anybody else on the roster. I feel like. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, and they also have like who knows what they've been through in Europe. <laughs> like, oh, for sure. The same way. <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's a really good point. I mean, I know we could talk about draft right now, but honestly, this is what I'm really into is like figuring out like, who's the toughest guy on the team. But besides that, uh, if the Rockets ever win a title, I will have no money because I will buy everything. <laughs> now that we're on that topic, like I'm fan that would buy the shirt, the pencil, the towel, the briefcase, you know, I don't even use a briefcase, but if it had like a championship <laughs> moniker on it, I would buy it. Well, and what's funny is I kind of felt like that was going to happen in 2018, like we said. Oh. And, I, and I did like kind of stock up in 2018 as we were building. And then I was like, oh, and like a week or two later, I had like a couple t-shirts in the closet. And I was like, I'm never going to wear that again. It yeah. only makes me sad. <laughs> Man, that's a good point by you. That's a really good point by you. Um, Bleacher Report, I don't know if you ever frequent the Bleacher Report, solid articles from time to time, I would say, on there that I peruse. They had a uh, free agent target for every NBA team, and the Rockets one is Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks. How would you feel about that? Because I would be all about Mitchell Robinson as a Rocket. I think he's the perfect position. He's in the right age range, and truthfully, I wonder if you could get him on the Chief because the Knicks will probably look at someone with like a flashier name. Right. Um, I, I, I think that they need a rim running center. I, I, that my other hot take I'll drop here is that I think Christian Woods really like a three. And Ooh. so we played him as a stretch five. Um, I think he's really just a tall, slow three. And if you can get a rim running center and let Wood play more along the perimeter, um, that might open things up, but digressing a little bit. I, I think that a rim runner like Robinson's good. I'd wonder like, is it cheaper to get Moses Brown? Do they not? I mean, obviously they probably have like had talks about a young prospect like Moses Brown and maybe they don't like him. Um, but he's certainly a tall, long, young guy. Um, could always have the Isaiah Hardenstein return. Um, that would be oh. another fun. <laughs> Hardenstein and Singoon would certainly attract, be a front court that attracts a certain type of fan, I guess. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> but, God. I can't. But it, it would be a lot of fun. Um, I, that all said that I would be – like Mitchell Robinson feels like a win very soon move. And obviously, while rebuilding is good in the long term, flipping the switch and trying to win would be nice too. Um, and so I, I like the pick when – the bleach report thing came out. Um, I, the rim runner, something I would have identified a while ago. Do you think they need a young guy that can play or do you feel like we've got a lot of young guys? Man, I'm like, look, I think they have enough young guys. I'm a proponent of if you can acquire talent, do it on the last, on last week's show, I dropped two names. Are they out there? Yes. Are they likely? No, but I would give up the farm to get (laughs) both of these guys. And I think depending on what happens in the playoffs, I think both of these guys are attainable. I like one much more than the other. I think Utah is going to blow it up. They should. And I would I like Rudy Gobert on this team? Not as much as the other guy I'm about to name, but I would not hate Rudy Gobert on this team. But before you name the other guy, how many tweets would Rockets fans have to go back and delete real fast? Oh, a lot. <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, a I mean, it would have to be in probably the thousands. Um, but look, man, I mean, Gobert is a defensive monster. The problem yeah. is, is in the playoffs. But if you watch these Utah games, first of all, Quinn Snyder, in my opinion, is one of the three most overrated coaches in the league. I don't think he's good. And he looks way <laughs> too much like the bad guy from Spider-Man. And yeah. every time I see him, I just think about how, how hot Kirsten Dunst is in that movie first. 
Second, there's only <laughs> one Spider-Man that I will acknowledge, and that is, uh, oh my God, what's his Toby name? McGuire. Yeah, Toby Maguire. He's. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't recognize, or I will not, like, I will not watch any other Spider-Man besides him. Who? Tom Holland. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't care. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'm a Gobert guy. I, if you can acquire him via trade at the right price, I would not hate him on this roster. It has to be the right price. The other thing is that I we would still need the thing that Utah can't do is play with play with small lamps. So we would still need to have Water Shingoon develop into the small ball five. Um, Rudy Rudy has flaws, but he is also a very talented player. I don't mean to like say his flaws diminish his his right. strengths. His flaw on like the recording on is this Tuesday night. His his flaws in the Dallas game last night were just that he can't cover the corner and the rim. And they need him to cover the corner of the rim. So if that's on Snyder or him or whatever, like he can't do that. And so you need to have someone that does one or the other and help him out. But I the roster, it. the he'd roster be, doesn't he'd make be an sense. Improvement. Yeah, he doesn't make sense in 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 Utah with that roster. Uh, the second guy that I named the other, last week was DeAndre Ayton. Uh, like, there's no way Phoenix lets him go, right? Like, like I, I a would love DeAndre. Aiden. Yes, completely agree. He'd be a great fit. Yes, 100. There's just no way that Phoenix lets him go. They spent the number one pick on him. He's they haven't paid getting him. Very year. I, but they I haven't guess. paid him. That's the thing. If they if they don't win the title this year, they haven't paid him. So what makes you think that they're all of a sudden going to pay him this offseason? If you can incentivize them with a package centering around a Wood and a Gordon, and the Rockets give him the bag, I could see it. Is it likely? No. But that's the type of move I want them to go make. Moses Brown does nothing for me. No, it's not a project. He's another project. Right. That's all you have right now is projects. Like, that's all you have. Jalen Green for as much, and we haven't talked about Jalen Green, and my co-pilot, Jeremy Brenner, love the guy. Love the guy's family. But he doesn't understand when I say I'm not 100% sold on Jalen Green yet. He's done it for half a season in the NBA. He's got a lot more to show me before I'm putting every egg that I have into the Jalen Green basket. That's all this team is, is projects. You don't have a finished product outside of Eric Gordon and Christian. He's a finished, you know. Yeah, and both of those guys, they should have have moved on from both of those guys already. That's why I do not believe in this front office. They mishandled the Eric Gordon situation. He should have been gone. They should have traded Christian Wood. Why John Wall is still a rocket is one of the most incredible stories that nobody seems to talk about anymore. <laughs> yes, it just went away. They paid um, him $41 million to not play. To not play. Yeah. I, I will say in looking at, I just pulled up Phoenix's books. Um, if Aiden's making 12 and a half this year, you got to think he'll get, 20 plus a year next year on a someone on the RFA. I, I guess Phoenix, if Phoenix matches, they're well over the tax line. Um, yeah. And so something would have to go. I just, and obviously like some of that money side up in Booker, some of that money side up in Paul, I just would value, I think you could replace a Jay Crowder or replace a someone else much easier. Um, you know, like they got five men, JaVale McGee, Maybe you let Javale slide. You know, like, like those Frank Kaminsky is making two. You got penny pinch where you can get rid of Frank. Like I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't think that they they dump him. I do think that's exactly the right position though, Michael. Like a rim runner that plays defense is a great athlete. It'd be nice to get someone that's like 23, 24, 25, and is like a well established pro. Um, 
I, I think that's all accurate. I just, DeAndre is, seems like a pipe dream. At one, I'd welcome, but I, I just think it seems like a pipe dream. It is a pipe dream, but so was Harden. When that Harden yeah. deal came together, that came out of nowhere. Like, nobody saw that coming. And that's why I'm saying, if I'm stoned, you do whatever you can to get as much talent on this team as you can. Like, the 17th pick, I would move that pick, attach it to a Christian Wood, and go get an established player. I don't even care who it is. You know, like, it doesn't even matter to me who it is. Um, if it improves the, your roster, do it. I don't care about age. I don't care about timelines. Like, that, that the means talk nothing at, to me. The talk at the trade deadline was there was some deal either on the table or maybe it was just on the Twitter table, but involving... Charlotte? Yeah, with Charlotte and uh, P.J. Washington. Oh, um, oh. I about to say that's similar to what you're talking about, right? Like a, a defensive big in their mid twenties. Um, I, I I don't know what your thoughts on PG are, but the no the noise kind of gave some stuff away. I think. <laughs> no, I mean I like look, man. That's exactly what I want them to do, but they didn't do it. Like they haven't been able to do it in free agency. You signed Daniel Tice. I don't know if you've watched any of that Boston the the first Boston game. Daniel Tice looks looked like and was performing at a decently high level. Why did you give up on Daniel Tice? He was exactly what this team needed. You just played him out of position. He doesn't need to be playing on the perimeter. Daniel Tice, meet the paint, meet the rim, rebound the ball, block shots. That's all I want you to do. Well, and that was the jigsaw that that never really cemented. I think we did see in the second half of the year, you mentioned like the best part of Jalen Green's year was second half of the year uh, when they took bigs out of the paint. And I, I, I like Daniel Tice, I think, didn't fit with Green well. Now, if you want to talk about how, how do you jigsaw the team and like maybe you're prioritizing too much of the, tw- the 20 year old or whatever, I, I guess that's a different conversation. But I do think that the fit there was just not great with two guards that score by attacking um, as opposed to, you know, perimeter guys. Um, you know, they don't, op- for lack of a better phrase, they don't operate in the mid range the way that Jason Tatum does. And the way, you know, I think that that's why that fits a little bit different. Um, I also, to your credit though, like do think Tice played really well on what was that Sunday? Um, I, I thought he played pretty well, better than I would have expected after seeing him play in Houston in the first month or two of the year. But he, because he's, he's playing, he was playing out of position and it goes back to for as much credit as Silas got for that offensive juggernaut in Dallas, which, whispers that Dallas has never made it out of the first round when Silas was there. Um, just throwing that out there. Luca's never made it out of the first round either. Uh, I like to throw <laughs> that out there from time to time on the show. But the um, fun thing there is we win either way because they're playing the jazz. So one of them doesn't oh. make it out of the first round. <laughs> yeah, but if you're a real Rockets fan, you know who to root for in that matchup, and it's Utah. <laughs> or sorry, it's Dallas. Dude, I don't root for Utah to win at anything. Worst fans. Oh, the worst. He, well, and you and I were alive in the 90s, and you and I would remember oh. the first-round series in, what was that, 2017, 2018? Anyway, oh. 2018 series. Um, yeah, those, no, they're, they're, they're brutal. They're oh, brutal. you and I can go back to the days of Greg Ostertag, uh, Olden Polonese, Jeff Hornacek. By the way, the fact that Jeff Hornacek is one of our assistants still rubs me the wrong way. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Oh, Brian O'Keefe. There's yeah. never been a player – that is fit more on a team than Brian O'Keefe fit <laughs> in Utah. I will go to my grave saying that. There, there's <laughs> no player that has ever met like Jalen. Like 
but Gerald Green to the Rockets is Brian O'Keefe to the Jazz. <laughs> well, and John Stockton fit them pretty well too, for whatever. Oh <laughs> God. Yeah, but like Brian O'Keefe just feels like a jazz oh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like if, you, like if I tell you Brian O'Keefe played in the NBA, you'd be like, oh, he's a Utah Jazz. He's not a Chicago <laughs> Bull. Uh, all right, rapid fire before we uh, wrap the show up. Uh, thoughts on give me a player comparison ceiling for the following guys. Chet Holmgren. Ooh. Um, is it too much to say, ooh, but he doesn't shoot like that. Is a skinny towns too much? Um, I, Ooh. I don't know. Okay. See where you're going there. I like it. By the way, I really respect that take that you didn't just uh, relate him to another white guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess tall, skinny shooter, you know, uh, like yeah. hands. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, do not go Dom's birthday. That's something that, like, when you watch the NBA and, and NFL draft on ESPN, you ever notice that, that they only equate, like, certain guys, like – who did they? Who did they? Uh, I'm trying to think. Like they're trying to call uh, Kenny Pickett well, from Pittsburgh. He's like the next Ben Roethlisberger. I'm like, okay. And every wide receiver is Wes Welker. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or Cooper Cup. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so thank you for not like calling him the next Pal Gasol and going with the Carl Anthony <laughs> Towns. Parker, I respect that. Uh, Paulo Bencaro. Paulo Bencaro, I could see being like. The like Boston's Jalen Brown. Ooh, I like that. He's a little heavier, but I think his best weight will be a little thinner. Jabari Smith, Auburn. Uh, weirdly in the same mold. Um, I would say the difference being that I want to see him work on like play, like creating with the ball. Um, but I, I could see him also being Brown. Um, I, you know, I think that maybe even throwing like Julius Randle into this, um, if he gets it more creation stuff. Um, so maybe one of those guys. Jabari Smith is my number one overall player in the draft. If I'm the Rockets, I have the number one pick. I take Jabari Smith, and I don't even think twice about it. I think he's the safest. And, and, and I, I say that to like, admit that I did not pick him as one of my first two a second ago, but I think that he can step in and play right away. Uh, he's a good screen and roll and screen and pop and those kind of things threat with green. Um, I just I wonder if the ceilings of the other guys are more enticing. Um, but he's certainly like he'll, he would start for 10 years right now. That's fair. Are you a Jersey guy? Um, I I have several. <laughs> the the funny thing is, uh, I joke. My dad made this rule growing up that I thought was really clever, and I, he might have said it in jest, but I've certainly gone with it. I don't get guys that are younger than me, and so as I've gotten like I'm now 31, um, that means like I I don't have a bunch of young guys. I did break that the other day when I saw Jalen Green is switching his number to four. I was like, oh, that's, this could be a collector's item and ordered one. <laughs> but that, that's the first time I've broken that rule. I have a Harden. I have a, a Lajuan, um, yeah, stuff like that. Um, but I, I, I don't have a ton, but I had a few growing up. The reason why I ask that is because Harden broke my heart as it pertains to the Jersey world. I've got, I know. I've got three. And I was like, you know what? From now on, I'm only buying legends. And then I go to the stadium this year, and they want $140 for the jerseys inside the stadium. It's absurd. Yeah, it's like, that's absurd. It's like, hey, do you want me to buy a jersey? Do you want me to pay rent this month? You know, <laughs> like shame yeah. on shame on you, Rockets. I don't understand why teams do that. Like, if your team is awful, sell your merchandise for cost. Do some cuts. <laughs> like, may entice me to go down to the stadium. Like, come up with bare like bare minimum T-shirts 
and sell them for 10 bucks. Right. You know, I think it's selling jerseys for cost because your team sucks is quite, it's <laughs> quite an economic trip. We'll get more fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I'm just sitting there and I honestly, I feel like you'll appreciate this story because you know, we've done an episode together. We're family at this point, you know, like they wanted $140 for this Jalen green Jersey. I go up to the, the guy and I'm like, is this for real? And he goes, yeah, we had to up the cost. I said, oh, okay, so that makes sense. We're the worst team in the league two years in a row, and you guys are upping the cost on the fans who actually want to buy the jerseys. That makes sense. <laughs> or if it's like if you show them that you bought a ticket, we'll give you half price. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? Incentivize me. Like help me help you. You know, like it's ridiculous. They're just standing there like Jerry Maguire, you know, Cuba Gooding Jr. saying, show me the money. I'm like, no. I don't want to, and I don't have to. Ridiculous. Yeah, Marco, this uh, has been fun, man. Yeah, it's been a good time. Uh, I've listened to the show on and off. Like I, I find a lot of Rockets content uh, across the spectrum, and it's it's fun to be on. Um, it, it's a fun fan base because it's like got all these different niches, and it's just fun to be a part of. Uh, we are fun, man. I feel like like us all together. Like we're like island of misfit toys. You know, <laughs> it's it's so funny, too, when like, like there's different factions, right? There's like the different groups that think different things. Some people are Alan Silas, some people. And then like the other day, Bill Simmons says, fuck Jalen Green. Everyone's like, no, we're all coming to Bill oh. <laughs> oh, OK. So I have a hot take for you. You gave a hot take earlier. I hate Bill Simmons. Let me just preface this. I hate what he said because he's just wrong. But I don't hate the premise of it, if that makes sense. Like, I know what he was trying to say, but it doesn't make any sense with the rookie of the year because who he's going to vote for, more than likely Evan Mobley, uh, or Evan Mobley's, I guess, is an outlier because Evan Mobley had a great year on a playoff team. But, like, I guess I know what he was saying. He was just saying that, okay, who gives a, who gives a, a shit about stats? So, like, I guess I can, like, a sliver see where he's coming from. That's all I... I think on most awards, that's a fair like tiebreaker. I think rookie of the year is just a weird place to do that because it's like the best players don't have a choice. They get drafted. They're drafted to bad teams because they're taking the top of the draft. And like inherently the best rookies will be on bad teams. Like that's just the way if we don't like that, we got to get rid of the draft. Like that's that's just the way the the world works, you know? No, for sure. And like, I, I don't know. That is weird. Like anytime somebody comes after somebody on Rockets Twitter, it's like everybody just collides onto that one account and rest in peace to your notifications. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's, what, I guess once it's the, the best video or audio is leaked, you're done. <laughs> no, no, you're finished. Like you're absolutely finished. Um, but anyway, do you have anything you want to plug before we wrap up? Uh, yeah. I mean, you can obviously find me and talk Rocket stuff all the time. Uh, Painsworth 512 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my show, FN Sports, comes out. Three times a week. Uh, we're up to three times a week this these days. Find it wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we grade sports stuff. Ton of fun. Um, but no, it's fun to come on, man. We got to talk Rockets a lot more. Oh, my God. You're literally welcome back anytime, my dude. <laughs> I may take it on. That's a fun time. We'll talk soon. Take care. This has been another episode of SB Nation's The Dream Shakes, The Dream Take Podcast. Major thank you to Parker Ainsworth for coming on tonight's show. Uh, if you would like to follow the Dream Shake on Twitter, search us at Dream Shake SBN. You can follow the Dream Take at the Dream Take. If you're on Facebook, give us a search at, or excuse me, you could just search the Dream Shake. Give us a like. Head on over to the dreamshake.com for all things Houston Rockets all the 
time. Jeremy Brenner and myself will be back live here on Thursday night with another episode of The Dream Take. Until next time, Rockets fans, go Rockets! Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from zero to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.